0: Thank you for coming out. 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 Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO, as we call it. And it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I am so super stoked about my guest here with me today, Becky Albertalli, she, her, is the number one New York Times bestselling author of multiple young adult novels, including Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, better known as Love Simon, and the upcoming Imogen, obviously. She lives with her family in Atlanta, and she's still not tired of Oreos. Becky, welcome.
1: Um, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, I am so excited to have you here. Um, How's your... You just, you just uh, before we started recording, were telling me about Scorpio season. So we're two days in. How's it going for you?
1: Um, pretty well, actually. Two days into November, but Scorpio season started a little bit earlier, so it's kind of finding its groove. I would say Mm. it's even, yeah, even better than before.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for that that adjustment. I I told you I'm new to the whole astrology world.
1: I love being the expert on this although I also may be embarrassing myself because I don't actually know that much um the yeah ceiling's like pretty low for my knowledge there but (laughs)
0: um I have a few friends who are very into astrology and have have told me my like houses and moons and I don't remember I try so hard to I listen but I try hard to remember but it's just for some reason doesn't stick for me but that's okay
1: I think that's okay. I don't know anything about my houses either.
0: Okay. Maybe one day we'll, we'll <laughs> figure, you know, we'll figure it out. So, okay. So we all have multiple coming out stories. We have multiple coming into self stories and I invite you to share whichever one is speaking to you in the moment.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I've, I've thought a lot about this. I um, took notes and everything because um you know, I feel like there are a lot of different ways I could take this. I um, I would say my coming out story is like simultaneously very basic, like almost a cliche in kind of how um, common some of these experiences seem to be, as I'm finding out now, um, but also like super weird. Um, mostly for reasons related to being like an author, a public figure and particularly kind of the way that I um, at the time was and am like situated within um, the book community and my industry. Um, So I'm gonna kind of be straddling that a little bit because I think that's the only way to tell it. Um, And um, yeah, and I don't wanna... um, get too into the weeds with the stuff that I um, have talked about extensively online, but also too, if there's anything, I'm like kind of an open book about it. So please feel free to ask me anything. Um, But um, yeah, I I feel like um, in a lot of ways, you know, this began in 2013 when I, was writing Simon versus The Homo Sapiens Agenda uh, on my little laptop. I was living in DC at the time. I had a baby um, and it was like, you know, I'd always wanted to write a book. I'd never tried to do it before. I'd written a lot of fan fiction. um, And it was just like with the timing of kind of like maternity leave and we were gonna move and just circumstances aligned. And I was like, I had this window of time. Let's try to do this thing I've always wanted to do. I had absolutely no expectation of it getting published. I didn't know any authors. It didn't seem like a real job necessarily. Um, But then I, you know, as I was writing it, I got really invested in it. Um, Like it was magic. I I miss writing Simon. I miss it all the time. There's this kind of freedom in uh, not thinking it would ever be published. So I just like, you know, Simon felt very real to me. And, um, you know, and I I remember, like, I still remember the moment when I wrote um, a scene that, like, basically made it into the 2018 movie intact, where Simon is confronting Martin, who um, is the person who outed him, and Simon's like, this is supposed to be my thing. You took this for me. Um, I I'm supposed to be the one who decides like when and, uh, how, and, and who knows, I am, I'm sure misquoting myself, um, but, uh, <laughs> I do it all the time. Yeah. It's just, you know, something in that vein. And I, like, I wrote that and then just sobbed at my laptop. Um, you know, uh, it makes a little more sense in retrospect <laughs> Like mm. that affected me so much but you know I think at the time like you know there's always like I had a reason for everything like I could logic my way through everything so I was like I must be a real writer maybe this is like what it's like being a real writer because you're like so invested and you're like in the character's head that's probably it. Um, <laughs> like, um, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I was a, um, straight woman. I was an ally that was really important to me. I had been volunteering for a very long time with, um, queer kids and, uh, gender non-conforming kids. And, um, you know, I came from a psychology background. I, um, worked with a lot of, um, you know, just mostly teenagers, I would say, some kids um, and a lot of queer people, some adults. um, And, you know, that that just was something really important to me, but I made sense of it kind of by stacking each um, new experience on top of the last. So it was like, yeah, I really want to study um, kind of affirming therapy with queer clients because i was so moved by kind of my experience volunteering with gender nonconforming kids and i volunteered with those kids because i met that psychiatrist when i was working as a research assistant for a different psychiatrist so there's just always um you know, just like a chain, uh, a causal chain of like, why I'm interested in this. And it just like, that was how I uh, made sense of it. And um, and then, you know, and then I wrote this book about uh, Simon, about this gay kid from my high school, that's my birthday who loves Oreos and um, came out in 2015. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that like when Simon came out, it was a mid-list book. It never hit the list. It still never hit the New York Times list. Um, it um, you, you know, I, it was like kind of a little bit of uh, an in-house darling kind of, I think uh, you know, it had this like um, energy that it kind of collected at Harper Collins and then outside with like read early readers and bloggers and stuff. So it kind of got this like cult following. Um, but it wasn't a huge book like I didn't tour well I I went on a little tour but I, it was like you know self-funded driving tour with my friends but like um two people in the audience mm. you know and they were only there because they were charging their phones and that was like where the charger was in the bookstore <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> good strategy right
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was great yeah it, it uh it actually was a blast it was you know just traveling with my friends but um You know it's but Simon had the kind of unusual experience of finding most of its audience in 2018 so three years after it came out um, because 2018 is when love Simon came out. And it just so happened. um, That kind of that period of time when Simon was coming out as a book and as the movie was progressing and ultimately as the movie came out like that coincided with a lot of um, just really I think important conversations in the book community about representation and um, who has a seat at the table and what it means to um, write outside your lane and who is getting centered uh, when telling stories about marginalized groups who's getting left out um, and like, I I mean, I I still believe that these conversations are really important. I was such a true believer at the time, but like in a, a way that seems in retrospect to not have like the nuance I would want it to have, but like, you know, I, I thought I was straight. I wanted to be the best ally and I'm just, you know, and you know, here I had written this book that was like more popular than it, it deserved to be. Um and I was this outsider. Um so I um like I blurbed like a million Own Voices books. Like I just, you know, I I tried to boost everybody. I mean I was to the point that like my friends made fun of me. I I read and blurbed like everything and boosted everything I could. I was was like trying to like pivot the spotlight if I could. I was like donating, um, apologizing all the time, like in in live events everywhere. Like, um, and not just for like mistakes and kind of problematic things in my writing, which there I had done and there have been, um, but like for writing Simon, in the first place. um, It felt like it it was like when you're a house guest and you want to like screw you're like trying to do the dishes and be as helpful as you possibly can um, to make up for the fact that you are like intruding on that space. Um, And, you know, and this whole time I'm having interviews because, um, you know, whether, because I had other books coming out, I, there'd be like waves of publicity and people um, would often ask me about being a straight woman writing about queer characters. I continued to say I was, sh- I was straight. I'm, I felt like I owed it to people like that transparency um, was felt like the least I could do. Um, and it was, I guess it felt okay for a while. You know, I was anxious, I felt guilty, um, but then it like started to feel less and less okay. Um, so it like, it. I think the best way to describe how it felt at that time was like, I would say I was straight and it would feel like itchy you know, like how you hear people kind of use the metaphor of like, it was like a s- sweater that I had outgrown. I was like, no, the sweater fits, but it's like itchy. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and I think that probably coincided with when I, I had written a, uh, a book about a bisexual girl, Leah on the offbeat, um, and it was like my brain was uh, running with it. And I didn't even realize it was, um, you know, I, all of this was happening as the movie was coming out and there was more discourse and I was getting a lot of questions. um, And, you know, I was trying to push through my discomfort because I believed I I owed everybody my positionality um, with all of this. Um, but the discomfort got worse, and the questions got kind of mean, and I just retreated it was somewhere around 2018. I took my my sexuality labels, came off my website. I had a whole thing like disclosing that, took it off, um, and people would ask me about my identity, and I would refuse to answer, but the way I did that, I still thought it was straight. I was like, This is a solidarity thing with closeted authors. I feel like that question is not, um, I I, I had a whole way of saying it too. I don't remember, Um, but I tried very hard not to like shame anybody for asking because a lot of times it's just, you know, it's like a queer kid who wants representation. You know, it's not malicious. Sometimes it was, but in these situations it wasn't. Um, And yeah, so that was my like solidarity move. And like, I am such a good ally to closeted authors Um, and um but people kept asking and then it kind of went beyond asking especially around 2018 um I like I would say it was harassment I call it harassment um it's hard to um you know, it's hard to know kind of where that tipping point is, but, um, and I, I don't like to single out anything that is like attached to a, you know, the person or a Twitter handle that's searchable. Uh, but a lot of the gist of it was like, I am a fetishizer. I uh, am um, harming queer kids, and it is so obvious that I am straight and doing this um, for my own like sexual gratification. Um, And it was like, every time there was any kind of discourse or um, somebody did a think piece or something like, I could always tell because I would get this uptick in like DMs and direct comments. Uh, You know, I had like left Twitter even at that point, but it would be like, suddenly I'd be getting a lot of comments I'd be like what is it this time and then I'd be like oh like oh a YouTube video just went up a straight gay teen like that was a really that was a, such a fun time for me when mm. that that satire went up um still love it that is just uh that continues to be um just the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah but then also just like you know the conversation would come up on Twitter a lot who has the right to write books about um, gay men or gay teen boys, um, the whole like gay representation for straight people meme. So I'm like trying to like back off as much as I can. I wrote like two MF books in a row, you know, um, you know, neither one overtly queer. I just wanted to like catch my breath. I wanted to, um Give the queer community a, a break from me, you know? Um, but at that same time, I was beginning to remember little tiny moments from when I was younger, from like my childhood um, and being a teen and um, beginning to understand that these um, just particular dynamics with certain girls that I knew um or didn't even know well sometimes but there are certain dynamics that I did not interpret at the time as crushes um but it was starting to click Um, so I called it like memory mining I kept like looking at them and trying to figure out what that was because it's like how can I know now that something that happened then was a crush when I didn't know it then? Like that seemed illogical to me, but at the same time, I'm like, why do I still remember that girl's name, you know, uh, decades later? <laughs> so like, and there's something, and it was like, I had a ton of friends. I've, I've always had a lot of friends who are girls. There is this difference, and I can't describe it, but there's this difference like between a crush and like a friendship. me i did i i was not somebody who had like i didn't have that intense best friendship that kind of blurred the lines it was just like separate for me um a little bit um but it was just you know it, it was confusing i um you know i'm almost 40 and i grew up in the south i grew up in Newt Gingrich's congressional district, like that's what my town was known for, like the suburb. Um, we are also, kn- now we are known for like, you know, flipping the country blue though a couple of years ago, so that was really cool, but um, you know, it, it was just like, it, it was something that I did not have a frame of reference for at the time. Um, so there's like a while, I don't know, like 20, 19. And so I'd be like, I would probably identify as bi if I were Gen Z. Um, which is absolutely like, it was a clown statement, but it made sense <laughs> to me at the time. Uh, like, it was just, it was really confusing. It felt fragile. Um, and I think what was a little tricky about it is like, I am married, I am monogamous, I have like these two kids, I'm a carpal mom, you know, and um, and this is all in my head, like this entire period of exploration was like happening in memories, and um, and sometimes it would feel like, oh my god, like I am unbelievably dense, this is the most obvious thing in the world, there were so many clues, and then five minutes later, I'm like, Ah, but what if I like made it all up you mm. know and this is such a co- I later I came to understand that this is like I am not the only bi person who has had that um that kind of uncertainty I like I think even then I knew it but like I was the exception I was the one who um was probably making it up even if every other bi person is valid and it's like like, there, there's this, this logic I had. Um, so, like, I, I know that I am a people pleaser. I always have been. Um, and one of the things people didn't like was that my books are written by a straight woman. So, was this just me people pleasing? Was I talking myself into this to try to uh, fix that problem? Uh, was I just kind of avoiding accountability for appropriating your stories. Um, like, and then I would catch myself and I'd be like, all right, probably, probably I'm just avoiding accountability, but also like, why did I, as a street girl, have this like DVD of if these walls could talk to, which I watched many times, like, you know, I'm, uh, like, you know, in particular, like, you know, one of the three stories was, like, my favorite, and, um, you know, and then I would say, oh, but that's because I'm an ally, like, that was, you know, that was a show of allyship, Um, um you know, also, like, you know, I'd be listening to the Indigo Girls, and I'd be, like, this song, like, makes me want to, like, daydream, like, a music video in my head of, like, sailor neptune and sailor uranus not like like a very like romantic innocent kind of um music video <laughs> it was just <laughs> like you know and um like that's allyship you know that's what it's like that's what it's like to be a really committed ally um <laughs> it was you know it was like um like this it's nonsensical, looking back at it. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. It was like, I wasn't, I knew I I wasn't queer because like some of the queer people who read my books felt from my writing that I couldn't be queer. And because I wasn't queer, I had to defer to their opinion on queerness, including my queerness, which didn't exist because wasn't queer you know so it was like i have to defer to your opinion about me because you're queer and i'm not and you would know better than me you've read my writing you would know you know um and it just like it didn't seem worth going deeper it didn't necessarily it was like i you know i didn't think i would ever be willing to come out to my family basically i was just like I would tell the internet maybe, but like, I didn't want to tell my family. Uh, They're not homophobic at all. Like they're, um, I was just like awkward and self-conscious. It was like, I was like, how do I explain that? And then I'm like, oh, I already did. It is like beat for beat, Simon versus the homo sapiens agenda. That's that's the dynamic, that is the exact dynamic. That is my mom, that is my dad. Uh, They're not married in real life, but um, yeah, it was like, that was, how I felt and I wrote that before I knew I was like writing my own anxiety, I guess. Um, And um, but it just, you know, it it just kept um, like the pressure kept coming. Um, I kept getting comments, I kept getting questions, I kept getting uh, kind of nasty comments Um, and I was I was starting to understand um, a turning point for me. I I found um, this article, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, but Jillian Morshidi, who is um, a writer and and I didn't know her and she had written something on Medium called Adult Onset Bisexuality and the Passing Dilemma. And I read that thing like, a thousand times (laughs) probably I was like you know sobbing crying and like um that I used that that ultimately when I did come out I that's how I did it I sent I, I sent my family two essays I sent them that essay first and then once they read that I sent them my essay um that essay was so it was so similar to my experience that it like was impossible to deny, like that's when it just became impossible to like logic out of it, I think. Um, I have like, I've like, emailed her a little bit, she's like, my hero, I love her. She's like, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, um, but um, yeah, I just, I don't know, like, you know, even once I was pretty sure, um, you know, by then it was like 2020, um I had too many followers I had too big of a platform everybody I knew like my family followed me my friends from every part of my life and readers and the, like the par- other carpool parents and you know and like it's hard to explain I think um you know they there's this idea that you come out over and over again. And that is true. I, I think it is less true for me. I I definitely wasn't gonna be able to like come out, dip a toe in, kind of quietly come out on Twitter or something like, like that. I'm like, I I knew that in my circle of acquaintance, I knew this was gonna be news. I knew this was gonna be controversial too because of those conversations and that discourse. Um, and it, it didn't, I didn't think it was worth it and I wasn't gonna do it. Um and uh and then Love Victor came out um in June of 2020 and it like started all over again. It was like some somebody tweeted some viral thing about like queer characters for straight people, and it just like went off and then TikTok really picked up on it and it was like, um yeah like angry dms and emails and just like like it, it really hurt to Because a lot of it it was like i would see my own colleagues making like snarky comments um people i'd supported people i blurbed it just felt like i don't know people i thought were my friends um you know where just like everybody was kind of having a go because i i, I think i was unacceptable target and then it was just like um you know I I'd I'd written this essay I I didn't think I was ever going to share it I wrote it for me you know but um you know I started sharing it with my family and inner circle and then uh, I was kind of sitting on it and then it was like this very well respected author who like I really admired a um you know a, a cis gay man um you know wrote this post that was like pretty clearly calling me out and in case it wasn't clear he made it clear in the comments and it was just like the final straw um i was just like i'm i'm like this is never gonna end i was like this is never gonna end um so i just posted it and it was just like i um like i couldn't I, I couldn't breathe. I like I just like I, I, I just sat there um I, I was like out of my body uh when I posted it and then that was um you know that was as it turned out um not the magic bullet. Um but I guess you know I I think a lot of that is already kind of out there and I can talk about it in more detail if you want but I think probably um a lot of it people have already seen and and people already know and if they haven't seen it happen to me they've seen it happen to uh, a lot of other people I wasn't the first author who this happened to and it, it has happened to so many authors since then same is true for actors artists uh like influencers, YouTubers, you know, it, it keeps happening.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's uh, there's so much of your, uh, of what you shared, I think is really resonant with a lot of people. And also, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say this. Like, hopefully like the minimum amount of people have to experience what you experienced. And I think, like you said, like so many people it's, it's happening not only with people with platforms uh, but lots of people just you know every day who are trying to live their lives and explore identity um getting bullied like from you know it 's like i keep I keep the phrase that keeps coming to me is like the call is coming from inside the house it 's like no, we 're our own community, why are we doing this to each other um, and it 's really it 's heartbreaking i um well so okay, well, so I want to kind of like just build off of all of what you just shared and, and really, if you're okay with it, like kind of dig into this idea of like queer gatekeeping and this idea of like, it's not their story to tell. I'm saying that all with quotations that no one can see, but you, um, cause I'll, I will, I will admit that there was a time in the past where I was very much like queer people should only be telling queer stories and queer actors should only be playing queer roles and was very like firm in that. And then, And then (laughs) I started to see the, like the consequences of that kind of stance and having that stance without nuance. Um, And I started to realize like, I need to like loosen up on that grip a little bit because of um, uh, everything you just said, like word for word, everything you just said. And also just this idea of, um, and it's, you know, it's similar, it's silly. It's similar to what you're saying of like, everything makes sense in hindsight, right? It's like, oh, like that makes sense now. I started, thank you for coming out. It's a queer improv show specifically for the space for queer people to explore identity, like the arts and theater and, you know, is a space to explore and it should be a space to do that safely. Um, And yet I still had that stance until, until like seeing friends and, Public figures go through being dragged, um, and then and then try you know kind of flipping it for myself. It's like, how would I feel if I had to get bullied? If I was bullied into coming out into into one of my identities, I would feel terrible. So all that is to say, I'm sorry that you went through that. That's just it's heartbreaking. Um, and I'm just I'm glad that you and you know some other authors and people that I'm seeing online are really pushing back on people um, who are the bullies or the harassers in this moment. Um, cause something happened, what is it this week, um, with Kit Connor from, um, Heartstoppers and he's a kid, like he's just a kid. And it's really sad. It's like, he was, you know, for, uh, for those of you who are listening, who don't know, um, Heartstoppers, a show, a uh, show on Netflix and he plays a queer kid in the show. And then, um, So people were asking him in real life interviews, like, what's your identity? What's your identity? And he kept saying firmly, like, I don't need a label. I'm confident in who I am. And that should have been the end of the conversation. And then as far as I understand, was experiencing similar to what you were talking about, this harassment, people pushing him and bullying him into and saying, like, why are you playing a queer character if you're not queer? Like, you need to tell us who you are to a point where he had gotten off Twitter, got back on Twitter to be like. Almost like, and I'm I'm saying this, not Kit, but like like two middle fingers, fuck you. This is like fine. Here's your label. Leave me alone. And then got off Twitter again. Um, it's just it's awful.
1: It's awful. Yeah, I, I um yeah, I I mean I like I I cried when I saw him like you know sitting there like in my little Halloween costume and stuff like just um scrolling and 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 crying i'm so i'm so angry um i'm so sad for him and um you know it does it does of course um you know remind me of my experience but i i i do think it's worth acknowledging like he the scale on which he must be experiencing this is like unfathomable to me you know like that is I, like, I, I can't even wrap my head around it um, because um, everybody, you know, for me, it was kind of like my professional community was kind of in on this. So it felt like the entire world for Kit, it is like the entire world is weighing in on it. Um, I maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't know. I don't know. But it feels it feels big. And um, and he is a person and he is a teenager, um, which and to be clear, I don't think it would be okay if he wasn't a teenager. Like I want to make that clear. I do think we need to be better about making space for um, people at every stage of life. I think we need to make space for the 95-year-old who inspired a League of Their Own, the new a League of Their Own. Um mm-hmm. you know, but I think it is like there's something so ridiculous, I guess, about people having this expectation um that an 18-year-old would a completely know and understand his identity. I like when I think about myself at 18 like um i mean that uh, i i knew nothing i knew nothing i'd um yeah i i mean i i was decades away and um and also the expectation um that he would owe that to anybody um but also the like failure to understand what it means that he um has that size of a platform. I see a lot of conversation about like, well, because of that, does he have a responsibility? Um, and I I do think he does, but it has nothing to do with his privacy and his identity. I think his responsibility was like, you know, um, take that role seriously and to, um, you know, just like, do everything he did. He was wonderful. Like that show uh, is wonderful. The uh, graphic novels are are wonderful. Like, um, you know, he has he has fulfilled um, anything that he should have been expected to do, and then some. Um, you know, so when I talk about his platform, I talk about or I'm talking about kind of the. Um, just magnitude of the scrutiny um you know it is like i i think I think people maybe uh understand this intellectually but not emotionally, but like he doesn't get to take it back like he he can never have that moment back that that has happened he is out he is out to everyone um he uh that is going to be kind of a, a you know just in every article ever written about him probably for at least the the next couple years you know it i mean it's it's going to be a part of his story forever and that is a big deal like that is a big decision Uh, to to do that. It's not, um, you know, and I I remember sometimes people would say, you know, they'd either say to me or about me, um, they'd be like, "Um, if you weren't sure, why didn't you just say you were unlabeled or just say you didn't know? And I'm like, "Uh, because like that's, uh, that kind of is a coming out too. Like, you know, like that is, you know once what what do you think would happen if I said that you know that's not like a one-on-one private conversation with people if I put that on Instagram or something that you know I I'm I am sure that I would be um getting calls from my family that night you know so it's I don't know It, it it's like it's um it's a game to some people. And I don't think that's the majority of people. I think to some people it's a game. Um, And I saw a little bit of this, is getting like, uh, there's just some like really um, over the top harassment and bullying and just totally like trolling him in ways that were so cruel, unapologetic. Um, The majority of people I think were not like that. It's sort of this, um you know attempt to to do activism in the way that we've been told we have to do it. it it's just you know like it it really is hard to know how to um to proceed with with some of this stuff because it's it's complicated and also this conversation is shifting very very quickly. So, like, um, you know, privately, like when I'm just like absolutely fed up with something somebody said to me, you know, like I'm texting my friends and I'm like, oh, hello, 2018 call, and they want their discourse back, you know, because somebody said something that's like mortifyingly 20, like, you know, just like um, an unnuanced kind of like, you know, is all uh, gay YA. Uh, about, you know, about teen boys written by straight women. And I'm like, that is like, <laughs> that is a very dated take. But like, when you step back from it, you're like, that was pretty recent, though, like, this is a, sh- a quickly shifting conversation. And, um, and we are pulling in information uh, from a variety of sources, some of whom have one part of the story and some of whom have another and it is very hard to know um you know if there is one um objective truth that we should kind of cling to or not um I mean I feel I get muddled about it too because people and, and there are some bad actors who are very very or who I perceive to be bad actors um who are very persuasive and know how to frame things in kind of a social justice um kind of just like you you know are able to use that language of social justice um so convincingly that I'm sitting in in my head I'm like maybe I shouldn't have come out I ruined own voices like I you know Mm. for the um for the greater good I should have like you know shut my trap like and and um it you know you get really twisted by this stuff it's it's uh some of it i think is abusive i think it's sort of this like vague um like you know just this kind of general community norm that has an abusive flavor to it i guess
0: Yeah, it's um, for sure. And I was thinking about the video that Emery Lee posted. I think it was yesterday about critiquing the system, not harassing a person. And just like that. I
1: love Emery Lee. Yeah,
0: he was on my podcast (laughs) and I love that. Um, But just like this idea of we should actually be fighting the systems, not the people who are like impacted by the systems. And like, why don't we like fight the, you know, like the white hat power men, you know, like men up at the top who are gatekeeping really and keeping so many queer people from um, having access to create and get the deals and whatever it might be um, versus like harassing the people who are simply trying to survive in a system of, you know, like in capitalism. <laughs> um, that's really stuck to stuck out to me. Um, I want to. Um, just like weave in Imogen, obviously, into this conversation. Um, is that okay? So that's your... Yeah,
1: I am, <laughs> I'm excited. This is my first time ever like talking about it in any kind of, you know, spontaneous way. And I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. It's, I've been um, just living in this book for so This book is, is like my whole heart right now. Mm
0: i i mean wh- I, I read it and loved it and it, i can i can feel that it's your whole heart and so much of the story that you just shared with us and uh is like so much imogen obviously that it's like very it's very <laughs> clear to me how much of your heart this book is um but there's a f- um something that Imogen says uh which is um Maybe shared experiences shouldn't be the foundation. Maybe it's a promise to hold space for variation. Um, I'm pretty sure Imogen says that. (laughs) Um, And yeah,
1: that's
0: just yeah. yeah, And it's just it's you know I think because I've talked about this too on a few other episodes around this idea of um, for a really long time the narrative, the queer narrative was something very specific of like struggle when you're younger have a really hard coming out and then it gets better. And it doesn't leave. And so like, there was a lot of like community building and banding together and like safety in that story, but then it didn't leave space for all of the other people who didn't have that narrative, who didn't struggle, who maybe were logicing their way out of their identity, whether they realized they were doing it or not. Uh, people who just truly simply didn't know, but like was, op- they were open to something other than being cishet. And then, you know, something shifted within them, or something became more clear to them. Um, And so I really like that phrase of, you know, maybe that's not the foundation, maybe it's part of the foundation, but it's really more of like, let's hold space for each other. Because I think there is something powerful in finding commonality and finding shared experiences, but that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be one shared experience is the default norm for everybody. Um, and so that was, Mm -hmm. that was really powerful for me. Um, and then the other, the other piece that you, you, you talked about earlier too, that I have highlighted in my notes, which is how Lily and Imogen, um, talk about how they feel like they're faking it, like faking their queerness. Um, And I just that resonated with me, too, because they're definitely even even now still. So I've been out as queer in some way since I was 20. I'm 30. How old am I? I never remember. 37, almost 38. And um, came into myself as a trans person at 29. So it's been like eight years since I've like said out loud that I'm trans. Um, And there are still moments where I have to, like, remind myself that I am or that I'll be like, but I'm not. And I'd be like, wait, yes, you are. <laughs> you know, like I have to be like, I have to like yeah. look at the facts, which is like, it feels, it's a weird feeling for me because it's like, I know who I am, but I think there are so many like powerful messages in our society, at least for me, makes me second guess, even though I know for sure who I am. I've done a lot of exploration and therapy and talking and, you know, all of the things, like I know who I am. And yet I still sometimes I'm like, but am I?
1: I this is like- I mean, I relate so much to this, and like, you know, just the whole idea of like, look at the facts. Like, I do. I feel like the need to periodically, just in my own mind, like, um, like it's like I need to like bring in a lawyer and like <laughs> yeah. make the case for myself, like over and over again. Just like, all right, you know, like, yes, like I, I hear what you're saying about, um. You know, you um, probably only did this to get out of criticism, and um, yes, I know, I know that like this idea is supported by many people online, however, let's look at the facts, here are things that happened before you were ever an author, Um, here are, you know, like, it's just like, I'm like, that DVD, that DVD, if these walls could talk to, you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, Sailor, Sailor Urena is like my, you know, uh, I had a very big crush that I didn't know was a crush. And um I'm like my like I've I've been dressing my entire aesthetic is like Sailor Neptune and always has been. It's like I'm still trying, I'm still trying to like win over. Uh Uranus, like, but uh, Uranus, Uranus. Um, eh, but, Uranus uh, but
0: we all know it as Uranus. So, my, either way, yeah, either my, way.
1: my kids, my kids will call me up for Uranus, but like, Uranus is like having it sound like anus is such an important part of my like 12 year old life. So, for sure. um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: like, but it it is really um, unnerving because it's like all it takes is one comment from a stranger who doesn't know me at all Mm -hmm. um who has no idea they are looking at maybe like my essay uh you know like there there are people who are just like um so she says here herself she just wanted to be like friends with these girls um that's not a sexuality and i'm like you're right that's not a sexual i'm like Mm. am i just like you know and and it's like well this person doesn't know like how it felt and they also don't know like there are things that I did not put in that essay like and I and I will not talk about publicly like there are you know there there are some things that I'm just like "Mm, no still know that person I'm just not going there but um yeah it's um it's hard it's hard to um to kind of have a stable sense of your own identity when it feels very contested and Mm -hmm. some of that is like a me thing because of my particular experience but a lot of that is like you know largely like as a community we do that to each other a lot and and I think there is this idea that um there is this way that a queer experience is supposed to look um I like the way you kind of said like a default um because it it really is like the heart of it. I think for me is like in Simon, you know, like the line that everybody remembers from Simon is like, "Why is straight the default?" Right, which mm-hmm. is a concept that like I didn't invent at all, you know. Of mm-hmm. course, like, but um, you know, but that's something that is in Simon's head as he's kind of navigating all of this. And with Imogen, it, it's it's really like, why is there a default queer experience um because you know part of what makes her um her i guess awakening journey so complicated is that she knows a lot of queer people who um have experience who you know who don't seem to uh have the same experience as her like mm-hmm. she um she has really internalized the idea that like okay well this is what it looks like to be a queer kid this is what it looks like you know you know you're queer and then you come out um and she, she doesn't know and and that feels like well that's not right and um she you know and and some of it like there is a you know a i think toxic friendship involved um and you know that character definitely is holding a lot of my um, anxiety and my anger and just my feelings about, um, you know, some of the discourse, really. But, um, you know, there's, like, a lot of it is, it's it's just, it's not like something somebody did to her. It's it's just the way that um, in conversations we frame like the queer experience i see that a lot and i see people talking about it in reference to media they're like um yeah this this media this is unrealistic this is not like the queer experience or like finally um a movie that really captures the queer experience and i'm like ah is how like how could there be a a queer experience when every queer person I know experiences queerness differently um when it seems to be um i mean and this you know two next door neighbors experience differently but also certainly like uh, no like uh you know if if you are a white twenty two year old uh college kid in the Bay Area, you know, um, that might not look the same as if, you know, if, if you're, um, you know, if, if you are in Korea, if you are in Russia, if, um, if you are in, uh, you know, Georgia, uh, either the country or my, my state, you know, and, um, generationally, like, I feel like, um, there is a tendency to, and and this is not like the the kids don't understand what it was like for us. Um, It is in every direction, it is like uh, a tendency to, um, you know, we're just biased towards kind of seeing our experiences as more universal than they actually are. but shared experiences really, you know, it, it does mean a lot. Like when you find that, like I, I see that, like when I think about that essay, like that made it click, I needed that, you know? Um, I guess for me, the way I, I feel is that um, I needed that. It was important for me to have that. I think ideally everybody would have that, but I I am not entitled to have that from every uh, piece of queer media. I'm not entitled to have that from every conversation with the queer person. Um, you know, there's, um, there's something really cool about our differences, too, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the more that we're given the space and the opportunity to talk about those differences, then I think that's going to expand what, um, that foundation can look like. And like that there won't, maybe there won't be the a default, you know, certain way of being, um, but it's going to take all of us, you know, it's going to, or a lot of us to like, to move us <laughs> in, a, in that direction. And I hope that we, um, are able to get there. Um, when does, when does Imogen obviously come out?
1: May 2nd.
0: Okay. So we got so, some time um, people.
1: It's, oh, I guess exactly six months from the time we're recording
0: this. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) So um, I wanted to ask uh, quickly before we move into our last segment um, about like Judaism and if Judaism plays a role like in life and queerness, uh, life and queerness specifically for you. Is that a weird question?
1: Yeah no not at all it's like it's um complicated for me and i don't Mm. know i wouldn't say i wouldn't say this is necessarily typical like i definitely would not um you know to anybody listening do not mistake this for any kind of like the queer jewish experience i mean i i assume it's clear by now how i feel about the whole idea of a queer spirit one experience but um Yeah, so I am, um, you know, I'm a reformed Jew. My name is Goldstein. um, So people don't usually know I'm Jewish uh, just by my name anymore. But, you know, for almost 30 years, people knew I was Jewish usually before they ever met me. It was the first thing people knew about me. So it's this kind of weird um, kind of experiencing both um, sides of that like visibility spectrum, I guess, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's complicated. I think for me, kind of the way they intersect, um, first of all, just Judaism and uh, bisexuality in particular, um, particularly as I personally experience both of them. And so this is, I would say, specific to my experience as, you know, a white Ashkenazi Jew uh, and also a, um, you know, a bi person who is married to a man who can go, I I do not like the term straight passing. Um, I am not even going to like unpack. That right now but i I am a person who can go to target and um and not get harassed right um and um you know, and so those like those two identities in particular um it kind of feels similar to me sometimes um because um there's degree of privilege, there's a degree of invisibility, there's a degree of erasure. Um, It's, um, it's hard to untangle that sometimes. And so, um, you know, you will end up in these, um, you know, online discourses that are very um, identity driven. And, you know and kind of your labels kind of become seem to become very relevant to a lot of conversations and you know I am often described as like um you know a white cis lady and that is true I like I am those things um but I think of myself as you know a by Jewish lady um and so it's it's just different sides of the truth um and it makes things complicated um with Judaism in particular there's a lot um there's a lot of anti-Semitism that uh I recently talked about, but I don't often talk about it because it's hard for people to see it and understand it, and people really get annoyed. Um, a lot of times, like, it's like every time I've talked about anti-Semitism in the past, and the most recent time was an exception, it was a really lovely exception, but um, in the past, every time I've talked about it publicly, the it's it's like crickets and roles and just like okay like you know the jews want to have their moment to complain to you know it's mm-hmm. um, you know like inventing uh ways that we just want to be more marginalized also something that bisexuals are accused of but um um i think as anti-semitism becomes like uh just more shameless it seems like, like it's more visible especially lately with some of the recent, um, you know, Kanye West stuff, Trump um, statements, you know, I do think some people um, who always cared but maybe didn't notice it are starting to see it more and understand how different it can look from other kinds of prejudice. Um, But that has been, I I would say anti-Semitism has been a thread in like that is Part of I think what has made this experience like just like cut so deeply because for years and years there's been this focus on you know just me as this figure who is like lying and sneaking around and infiltrating um, this media landscape and um you know, and just these systems of power that I am perceived as like being, you know, having my hands on these levers and, um, you know, I am controlling this industry and I'm doing so for milking shekels from like, from innocent queer kids. And, um, you know, it's like, I mean, like some people come real close to saying that, that kind of stuff. Um, And I don't think they know I'm Jewish. Like, I don't think these people are like, I'm gonna like, you know, put some dog whistles here. I literally don't think they know I'm Jewish. It is just, uh, we've absorbed uh, kind of a way of talking about capitalism that is like maybe lost the, uh, this is just about capitalism vibe for me, you know? Um, but whether people mean it or not, I, I guess what I'm saying is I experience it as antisemitism, which doesn't make the person who said it anti antisemitic. Um, but that, for me personally it it's I felt it, I guess,
0: yeah, that makes sense, and something you just said, um is like i'm I'm just like it's a wondering, um which is like in the discourse around like anti racism racism, it's like if someone says something racist um versus like being a racist and like that whole the whole like thread there, and like I wonder if that's if there's a similar kind of thinking around like they're not anti-semitic but they are saying something anti-semitic but uh, but also if you're not actively anti-racist then is the default like like you are racist so if you're not like you know what I mean I wonder if there's a same if you're not like actively like like you know uh, what's the like semitic (laughs) like then you are anti-semitic and I don't know it's just um it's having me wonder just wondering.
1: I don't, yeah, and I don't know, and I, I, I don't think it's like one-to-one, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I think like, you know, it's, it's so hard, it's it's so hard to explain, it's like, it's one of those things where I'm talking to you, and I know you get it, but it's like hard to put into words, like, you know, like, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, if somebody um is, Calling me out in a way that is like very money focused and and by the way the, the ideas people have about my finances are bananas like mm. y'all y'all are confusing me with the box office numbers i think maybe i don't i i don't know uh, like <laughs> it, it is bananas, but that's not the point like don't like don't talk about my finances even if you're right don't talk about them like but you're not um mm. But like, you know, somebody calling me out in in that kind of way, I really think they are. It, it is just like that is like the way we have kind of, uh, you know, the good guys, the you know, the progressives and stuff. We have we have kind of absorbed that framework for talking about capitalism. It is, I, I guess it's it's just like I I do really want to give people the benefit of, of the doubt, I guess, with anti-Semitism because so much of it is like directly um, coming from this kind of progressive place that is just a little bit off-center, I guess, in, in its delivery, um, whereas, um, you know, the kind of unconscious aspects of like, racism, um, and anti blackness and stuff are, um, y- you know, I, I think, um, you know, I feel the need to like hold myself more accountable. Like, I feel like um, I, I should be getting better and better at recognizing that. And maybe it's a little bit harder to do with anti-Semitism, given how like woven it is with like leftist rhetoric, I guess. So.
0: Yeah. I wish we had more time to keep digging into it. Um, Cause it is, it's really something that I want to keep talking about that we could do that in our next conversation. Um, but I do, I, I need to move us into our last segment, which is the lightning round of questions Yes. Um, all for fun. They're all actually open-ended because I got the loving feedback that my questions before were too binary. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I did leave one binary question in there. Cause I just had to, uh, so just whatever first comes to mind. Uh, okay. If you could name your own crayon, what would you name it?
1: Oh, um, Oreo black.
0: Love it. Favorite time of day.
1: Anytime when it's light out. So yeah, morning to day to early evening, anything that's not night.
0: Nice. Favorite yeah. queer media representation?
1: Um, oh, uh, I, I have a lot. I have a lot. Can I? I'm gonna just say like one favorite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, well, first of all, let me just shout out uh, freaking heartstopper Kit Connor, and uh, you know, in particular, like just that entire by awakening right. sequence is really important to me. Um, so leave that kid alone like yeah work has meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. Um, and many many people Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna say that yeah
0: beautiful um a song that makes your heart sore
1: oh um try a little tenderness Otis Redding yeah
0: beautiful favorite beverage
1: Water. I'm. I'm really boring. <laughs> <He> <laughs> uh, should, <he> should.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Favorite quote.
1: My. Mm, I'm not good at remembering quotes. Um, How About like quote? the
0: feeling of a quote, like I. You know, the essence of one.
1: I don't know. I like. I like what you said about. Uh, I like your interpretation of kind of where I was going with like Imogen and stuff and just about Mm. like not defaulting to one um one queer experience so my favorite quote is from you from today
0: wow that's that's a first thank you um okay binary here we go bagels or donuts
1: uh on behalf of of the bisexuals I'm going to say both great (laughs) 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 i love it
0: (laughs) um becky this has been so lovely i'm so happy that we had a chance to chat and for folks listening mark your calendars for six months from the day we recorded but five months and 30 days from when this episode drops uh to read uh obviously because it's a really really incredible story um becky thank you for coming out
1: thank you so much um this was lovely
0: so lovely. Thank you for coming out.